630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Open up the U.S. Open. Blue Jays in action tonight. Matthew Panaschuk keeping an eye on that one. What's going on? Yes, sir. The Blue Jays still lead 3-1. to one. Bottom of the eighth right now. Marco Estrada still in. Only giving up three hits tonight. All right. Blue Jays trying to win their fourth in a row. Mentioned that Aaron Grimes was released by the Philadelphia Eagles. He is getting over or is experiencing a shoulder injury. The uh, On the uh, weekend, the Washington Redskins released Willie Jefferson, who was trying out at uh, linebacker. He was a D lineman when he played for the Eskimos. So another name to keep an eye on. Reed Wilkins with you. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Eskimo Show coming up from 8 to 9 tonight with Morley Scott in half an hour. How about this? We will be joined by Olympic wrestling gold medalist Erica Weeb. The opening act for an Olympic gold medalist is former NHL defenseman Jason Strudwick. Jason, old boy, how are you doing? Oh, I'm an opener. I'm the opener. How, how can I go before a gold medalist? I never did anything that great. Uh, congratulate her. She's absolutely awesome. I loved her. <laughs> Were you pretty into the Olympics, buddy? Oh God! I, I'm a. I had the blues. I had the blues on like the Thursday before it ended because I knew it was coming. I was so disappointed when it ended. And our Canadian athletes did so well. And you know what, Reed? I, I think it, you throw away the opening ceremonies, the closing ceremonies, all the fanfare. It's about the athletes, and that's what we got to get back to. Stop wasting money on those opening ceremonies. Nobody cares as soon as it's over. Let's just have good events with good athletes, and uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. I, I mean, the, the ceremonies have become so uh, overblown. I watched most of the opening ceremony because it was on during my show, so I'm like, okay, I might as well watch sure. it. Didn't watch it. Didn't watch a second of the closing ceremonies. Like, I couldn't tell you a, 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 a thing that uh, a thing that happened in the closing ceremonies. But you're right. I mean, end it with, uh, I mean, can just end it with the marathon guys coming in or, or have the soccer game, the final soccer game in the big stadium. I don't know. Something simple, you know. You gotta—it's it's getting so expensive to host these things that you have uh, cities bowing out. And, I, and I, I'd like to see it shared amongst all the, you know, the different continents and, and different countries. But when you're at the, you know, when you think about it in China, where they spend 200 million on the opening ceremonies, just on the opening ceremonies. And I, I read—I couldn't tell you one thing that happened in the opening ceremonies that cost <laughs> 200 million in—in uh, in where was it? Uh, Beijing, whatever. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, well, I, I enjoyed most of the Olympics. I mean, it, I always watch the ones more that were uh, in the same time, or well, not the same time zone, but I mean, this time zone was yeah. close enough, and clearly they were catering to, you know, I think some American Eastern times with some of the stuff going on, uh, you know, late. that we, I could get home from the show and still watch a full volleyball match or basketball game, right? Yeah, they, they do a good job of timing it. Uh, you know, I'd like to go and I'd like to do one week of swimming event, just in that swimming pool and watch that all week. And then the next week track and field. I think that's an Olympic experience I'd like to have um, before, uh, you know, before I'm too old, I guess, to go do it. I still got two years, I hope. I, I hope I can, I can make a couple more Olympics. <laughs> you're still, yeah, there's, you're still young enough to let you on an airplane, Jason. <laughs> Just to, yeah, I just to, have to have uh, someone accompany me, right? That's all I need. Yes. Yeah, so, go-kart. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you can be the first one on if you're if you're if you're old enough. Uh, Jason Strudwick, former Edmonton Oiler, joining us on Inside Sports. He's uh, now the host of uh, one of the hosts on Dinner Television over on uh, City TV. Uh, Zachary says, uh, has Tyson Berry come to terms with the Avalanche yet? Zachary must have been on vacation. He did. Uh, that, that was a, f- a four-year deal. I think it's going to be defense by committee for uh, for the Oilers, uh, Jason. I, I don't know how much offense they're going to get from their D, but I, but I think they're just. I mean, I think last year Shirelli got the goaltender he wanted, and this year he was like, I just need a guy who gets the puck out. I, I'm not too concerned whether or not he can score, and Shirelli believes that's Larson. I think the problem here in Emerson is we want to make quantum leaps forward. You know we. Uh, how many times have you been told in your show, well, the, the Penguins went from uh, five points one year to 95 the next year? You know, like everyone is just thinking the owners can do that. And it's, it's hard to do that. It's hard to have that quantum leap forward. And getting elite defensemen that can produce points and shut down, it's, it's not easy to do. Um, I think you're right, though. I think if I'm the GM, I just want to get to the point where my back end is stabilized. That's it. Just just stabilize it. Maybe someone breaks out offensively. Maybe Clefbaum can, you know, build on the. You got a pretty good point, Flasher. Maybe we can build on that. Stay healthy. Maybe we can make that jump. But you know, you just you just got to be stabilized because for the last number of years it hasn't been stable at all, and it's been a bit of a fire a fire sale at times in their own zone. Uh, so now they have a group that they feel you know can maybe continue and move on and, and just stabilize that back end. And at some point, maybe you have to make a really a, a big splash and go out either sign a guy that is, you know, like a Shattenkirk, probably not going to get him, but a guy like that, uh, and then just really upgrade the offense. But I would take stable. I would take stable right now as compared to what they've had recently. Well, the thing I wonder, and, and, and you know, when I say stuff like that, Jason, I'm not trying to defend the move or say I would have done it, but I'm trying to get into the heads of Shirelli and McClellan based on what they say and things I can infer. And, I mean, you you played on teams that would have been good and would have had struggles defensively. I think they believe, okay, let's be 10% better defensively, but that might mean more than 10% better overall. I think that's I think that's what they're going for. Well, how often do you see that the top teams spend extended periods in their own zone? You know, and it's, it's hard. And listen, you're right. I was on teams where we didn't spend any time in our own zone. And I was also on teams, especially near the end of my career with the Oilers, where we spent a lot of time in our own zone. And it's, you know, you're less likely to get scored in your own zone if you're not in there. So you, you have to get that puck out. And it's just something that can break cycles, you know. And, and you'll read all the comments that Oilers players made and other players around the league made about Adam Lars. They said he's not fun to play against. I don't think he's dirty, but I think he puts pressure on you. You know, if you want to put into like a um, a mixed martial arts type comparison, George St. Pierre. Like, George St. Pierre doesn't knock you out all over the place, but he never he never stops. He's relentless. He's grinding on you. He gives you no time. He's putting pressure on you. And I think that's what Larson can do. I think Clefbaum, maybe playing with Larson, um, he can grow into that. They can kind of grow into a nice partnership together. Uh, Darnell Nurse, I think he's a guy that plays a very up-tempo style of defense. He's just got to worry about looking around him. You know, he's got to worry about the guy without the puck. I think mm-hmm. that's where Darnell's problems last year. That's for what I saw was big issues. Um, you know, got Mark Fane, you pretty much know what you're going to get from that guy. Uh, Sakara, same thing, Matt, and, and uh, sorry, Brandon Davidson. You know, those six, they're, they're not the elitist group we've ever seen, but I think they're a group you're like, most nights if I'm the coach, Don McClellan, I'm looking down the bench before the drop of the puck, I'm like, okay, I think I know what I'm going to get tonight. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get just pretty good defense. Uh, everyone's going to move the puck up quickly. 
they're, they're bigger, they're stronger, maybe they'll be more physical as a group, and we have a little depth there. So I'm, I'm actually encouraged. I understand my Oilers fans are frustrated. That's all they got for Taylor Hall. But um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's not easy making trades. I, I was talking to a guy in the business uh, this summer, and he goes, you know, everyone thinks it's so easy to make trades. It's really, really, really hard to make trades in the NHL, and sometimes you've got to bite a bullet. Like, uh, like I, I think that uh, Peter Shirley did with getting uh, Larson Peral. Jason, you talked about stopping the cycle. Who was one of the most difficult four-checkers you ever had to defend? Well, you know, my, my situation would be different than maybe a, another type player. So, like, if I, if I was comparing my um, – like, I, I love playing against the big guys. I love – like, I love playing against Eric Lindros. You know, I knew that there was a good chance if he got mad, he'd run me into the fifth row. <laughs> but I knew that he wanted to be physical and play hard. John LeClaire, like, that line that leads to doom. I played against him quite a bit. Uh, LeClaire, um, was it Renberg? Yeah. Renberg and uh, Lindros. Like, big, heavy guys. I love playing against those guys. For me, a bigger challenge was the Paul Korea. The guy was so quick; he was like a hummingbird. You know, you, you couldn't you couldn't catch him, and he was so quick on and off. Um, but the, the the type of guys that, like I said, that the smaller, quicker guys, like Matt Duchesne, down low. God, I remember the first game I played against him. I went to hit him, and he spun off so fast, and then he spun back again into me that I actually made the hit. But like he had time to turn left, turn right back into me, and I actually hit him. And I'm like. What are you doing? Like you already beat me once, you know. Like, it was like, and that's when I knew the end was getting near for me. But uh, you know, it's 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 changed so much. And D-men now, you have to play so close to guys because so they're so quick and they're so deceptive. Um, you know, like the best way to play Connor David is literally to sit on him all night. And when we saw that the Washington or the Montreal Canadiens play the Oilers last year, I watched the whole game. PK Subban was glued, was literally glued on Connor McDavid, not taking penalties, but he didn't give him time and space. Whereas people with less um, confidence, you know, in themselves, they'd back off saying, oh, no, it's Conor McDavid. I got to back right off. The actually the opposite. You got to get right up in his face and play him, play him tight so he doesn't have room to get going. Well, I mean, body checking and physical play is always going to be part of the game. Um, but, I mean, the, the Scott Stevens of the world, you probably won't see a lot of that for two reasons. A, you'd get suspended every second body check. And I think, like you were kind of inferring, it's so much of a like it's still very physical, but it's more of a body position game. Where are your hips and shoulders, right? Which way are you angled? All that kind of stuff. Last week I did my uh, D-man camp, right? The Jason Strybrook D-man camp. It's world famous, Reed. You may not have heard of it, but it's very popular. <laughs> and I had a hundred kids. I had a hundred kids from Adam up to Midget. And for the five days, we worked on body position. You know because. You, you can fight for your, like when I say fight, you can compete for your body position in front of the net. And one of the things I'd like to see this Oilers group do this year, more than they've done in the past number of years, is when the play's in the corner, let's say it's still left to Cam Tower in the corner, and, um, you know, they're, they're playing whoever, uh, Johnny Gujo. Johnny Gujo feeds the puck up to the, the, the point man. Instead of just turning and sprinting to the front of their net to confront them there, I'd like to see the Oilers defenseman make that forward work to get out of the corner. And for me, that's what being hard to play against is. You, you stand your entire tier ice, and as he's going to net, you kind of back off slowly, but stand in his way, make him work for it, make him work for it, make him work for it, so he gets in front of the net. And now by the time he's got there, the play is either not developed, which happens, or B, the, the rebound's already gone. Or the shot's already happened, the rebound's already cleared out of there. And when you watch Duncan Keith and, and Drew Doughty, two of the top defense in the NHL, there, there's no doubt about it. They make those forwards earn every single, just centimeters of ice. And for too long, we haven't seen the Oilers D-man do that. And I think that is something that if I'm the D-man or the, uh, or the coach of the Oilers on the defense especially, I say, guys, 
we got to be harder to play against. And this is how you do it. And trying to read between the lines, well, what guys talk about Adam Larson and a couple guys I talked to about him, he does a good job at that. He's not physical, but he's hard to play against. And, and I'd rather be have a guy being hard to play against all the time rather than physical some of the time. Well, you're right, and I think sometimes those hard to play against gets confused with you know getting into a fight or retaliate. Oh yeah. But, but you're right. It's it's just claim your position and. And be patient and make. I mean, you're going to give up chances in hockey, but you better make sure they are absolutely earned by the other team and you're not giving them away. Uh, the Oilers are moving into a new rink. I will end with this, Jason, and I'm just throwing curveballs at you from every direction. Did you have a favorite rink when you played in the NHL? Oh, Madison Square Garden. Not yeah. even a question. Not even, I remember the first time I played in there, I, I couldn't wait. I mean, you walk down, you've been down the hallways, there's posters of like. Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, Muhammad Ali, all the great performers that have played in there. And I, I, it was like, I was so excited to play in that. I, I couldn't sleep. You're right in the middle of Manhattan. And then when I got to play for the Rangers, you just feel like you're better than everybody. You know, and you're just you, – and it, it's amazing. And I, I love being, just being in that rink. Now, I think we'll get a similar feel here in Edmonton as far as being right downtown, lots of energy around it. And I actually think that's going to help the Oilers players because where the Rexall was – it was, it was a bit of an island out there, and now we're going to be around a buzz. You know, drive up to the game, there'll be people buzzing around, and I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's uh, it's it's going to add uh, you know a few points to the bottom line at the end of the 82 game schedule. Jason, hey, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. It's always a treat to have you on. Uh, I know you just got off work on City TV, so thanks for fitting me in as well. I hope we can do this yeah. again soon, man. Reed, you know at any time, but you just owe me a couple of beers. That's all. Bud Light. Bud yeah, Light. I owe you several for sure. I'll get you Bud <laughs> Heavy. That's how much I like you. <laughs> You're the best. Talk to you there, man. That is Jason Strudwick. Check it in tonight. Former uh, NHL defenseman, former Edmonton Oiler, now on uh, dinner television over on City TV. Loved Madison Square Garden, and I liked what he was saying there about. Uh, the hard to play against stuff and he gave a very specific example he says if the if the oiler defenseman is battling in the corner with a guy and the puck goes back to the point don't just retreat to your front out of the net and then say okay well, now I'll deal with the forward once he's there and the puck is there he's saying you know get he's not saying commit interference but you can claim your position and slow the guy down or get in his way a little bit as he's getting to the front of the net and then maybe the, the play doesn't develop or it's a little easier safe for your goaltender or a little easier to clear clear the rebound. Uh, hard to play against. It's probably become one of those overused phrases we make fun of sometimes on the show. But uh, <laughs> but Jason telling you how that happens. I mean, hard to play against is kind of the end result of doing one of the little things that Jason was talking about. Um we have a text from Yakishev who says, if the Oilers give up 200 less shots with Talbot's save percentage, they would give up uh, 16 or 17 less goals uh, than last year. That, uh, yeah, that math is pretty much bang on. So it, it, that's the thing with the Oilers. They improved by basically half a goal per game. Doing that again is going to be difficult because I, I mean this and, and again it that's probably more of a statement on how bad they were the previous year than this past season and I, and I know they were still second last this past season but I mean like I said goals against went down from 283 to 245 39 it's not bad it's not bad to shave off can they do that again I don't know I think if they could do 20 that'd be okay I think 30 would be really good and 40 would be, like, incredible. 
Uh, Zachary uh, says, thanks for the update on uh, Tyson Berry. I've been working in BC for the last month. Did I hear that a, uh, a PTO has been offered to a center? Is that true or just rumors? Those are uh, rumors, Zachary, but we will see. Hall for Larson was once just a rumor. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. A few thoughts on your quarterback, Mike Riley, when we get back. Also, Olympic gold medalist Erica Weeb is standing by. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. 3-1 Blue Jays, top of the ninth in Baltimore. Looking good. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right, or it's free. Guarantee you can visit actionfurnace.ca. Thomas in a semi says, uh, Hey, Reed, where would the Oilers finish in the league if they gave up 20 fewer goals? Uh, Okay, I see what you're saying. I'll look this up on the fly. I just saw that text, so I'll just go to the standings from last year. Uh, gotta, they were where, where were they? They were 26th in goals against last year, so pretty bad. I mean, to be uh, a really good defensive team, you kind of give got to give up about 210 or less. So last season, Anaheim allowed. Well, this includes the odd shootout goal, but we'll just kind of say go with it. Uh, Anaheim allowed 192 goals. That was best in the NHL. San Jose allowed 210. That was 11th best in the NHL. So let's uh, let's use or let's use 210 as the benchmark to be in the top third of the league approximately. If the Oilers went say from 245 down to 225, that would have put them uh, 17th, 18th. Would have put them 18th in the NHL in goals against. So that's that. I mean, that's like Strudwick says. It, it's hard to make a big leap from from where they've been. So if they went from 245 down to 225, they'd be out of the bottom 10, but they'd still be close to it. If they could go from 245 down to 215, then you're talking 12th best in the NHL. If they could somehow improve by 30 goals against per game. This is independent of uh, goal, goal differential and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch. Because the, goal, the, the, the thing is with the Oilers... Um, they actually allowed more shots last year than they did the year before, but they went down by, like I said, almost half a goal per game. So a lot of that is on Talbot. A lot of that is on Talbot. So that's why I'm saying if, if one way to evaluate Larson, and, and it's I, I'm oversimplifying it, I'm the first to admit that in a, in a complicated game like hockey, one of the ways to evaluate his impact is the total shots against they got to be between, uh, ideally, there are three shots a game less. They were at 30.9. So let's round that up to 31. They got to get down to 28 shots per game against. They got to allow, you know, nine or fewer per period on average. Uh, and, then, and then we see if the goals against can go down 20, 30 for the whole season. And then maybe they score more as a result if their puck's in their own end a little less. The Edmonton Eskimos have now won three in a row. 
They uh, beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday night by eight points, 33-25. They jumped out to a, a, a big lead. Right side now gets some pressure. He'll run to the right side. He's got a couple of riders chasing him. Riley will wait, throw. He's going to the back of the end zone. <laughs> Touchdown, Darrell Walker. Mike Riley, all sorts of patience to hang on to the football. He used his legs to buy some time, used his arm to put six points on the board. You know, Riley, to me, and I know the Eskimos' record does not match up with uh, the Calgary Stamp, St. Peter's right now, but it, it, it it's either Riley or Bo Levi Mitchell for most outstanding player in the league. And I, I know I have said repeatedly, and a lot of you mock me for it, and I accept that, that I think Zach Kalaros is the best player in the league, but he simply hasn't played enough over the last couple of seasons to really cement himself as that. But first nine games of this season, I think Mike Riley is the most outstanding player in the CFL. His stats are, are gaudy, as we know, and we're seeing him make plays out of nothing. He's, he's the type of quarterback where I think you can defend the play pretty well and the Eskimos can still get a gain out of it or a touchdown out of it. And that play to Walker, I mean, he's forced out of the pocket. He's running to his right, and he makes a bullet throw on the run right in the end zone to Walker. 21 for 26 for 253 yards, two touchdowns. He did make a bad throw on an interception. The guy's not perfect. But the guy makes plays, and we all know how determined he is. From the seven for the Eskimos, who lead by three. There's Riley dropping back. Looks to the right, looks to the left. Is he going to keep it again? Looks like it. Riley's going to run, tries to dive to the end zone, but... Does he get in? We don't see a signal yet from the officials. There we go. Touchdown Eskimos. Mike Riley does the work himself and takes it to the end zone. That play just pure guts from Riley. The Eskimos now 5-4. and They play a week from today in Calgary, the Labor Day showdown. The Eskimos show is from 8 to 9 tonight. Hey, Olympic gold medalist Erica Weeb is up next on Inside Sports. Listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Blue Jays now up 5-1 in the bottom of the ninth in Baltimore. One out. Can also tell you Boston leading Tampa Bay 7-3. That's in the bottom of the seventh. Coming into tonight, Blue Jays first in the AL East. Boston two games back. Baltimore three games back. Milos Raonic winning opening round match in straight sets over Dustin Brown at the United States Open. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Thomas uh, in a semi says the Oilers allowing 20 goals less this year isn't un- unrealistic. It's only a quarter of a goal a game. A solid defenseman like Larson could be an answer. And if Lucic can create space and McDavid plays the entire season, maybe the Oilers score 30 more goals. All of a sudden, that's a 50-goal difference. That will win a few of those one-goal games. That is from Thomas in a semi. Hey, if you're going to be optimistic, you might as well be optimistic at the end of August, right? Uh, those are the ifs that uh, the Oilers manager, managers and coaches are counting on. The Oilers were minus, I mean, here's the thing. The Oilers were minus 42 goal differential. If they improved by 50, they'd only be plus 8. But it, it certainly would be progress, that's for sure. 780 You can also text 
630. Two weeks ago, you may have not known the name Erica Weeb. You probably do now. She's the owner of Olympic of, of an Olympic gold medal in the sport of wrestling, and she's on the line right now. Erica, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Hi, Reed. I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm doing great. How does it feel to be introduced as Olympic gold medalist Erica Weeb? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to say? That's like, well, I, say, uh, I, I think that's a pretty cool way to be introduced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's cool, you know. I know I you know I like I know there's a couple Olympic champions in Calgary and I'm I'm very lucky to be friends with a couple of them. And uh, you know, I in my mind I'm like, Oh my god, like Kyle Shield, he's so amazing, like and he's my friend. Like I'm I'm just so honored and so like, I'm a huge sports fan, right? And um, you know, Carol Wynn and Chandra Crawford and, and all these amazing people and so now I think yesterday I was like, Whoa, like I'm an Olympic champion too, and so it kind of a little, little sunk in somewhat. Well, that's that's a great story, and yeah, you're in that position now where where you, you know, look. I know your career's not over, but I mean, you're, you're <laughs> going to be that inspiration now to the next generation, right? Is, does that hit you a little bit? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I I coach a lot, and like, I'm really involved with like my sports community in Calgary and in, in Ottawa as well. And uh, you know, I always I always hope that I could be somewhat of an inspiration and and share kind of my love and passion for sport. Um, and now I just kind of have this bigger platform to do it. What do you remember about the gold medal match in Rio? And look, I know it was only like a week and a half ago or whatever. So, but but I mean, uh, when you're, I mean, and I know you've won gold in in the Commonwealth Games, and you're a very accomplished mm-hmm. athlete, obviously. But what do you remember about just sort of the gold medal match and the moment where? Oh, I won, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and the people are like, oh, well, you were winning 6 nothing, Like, you were dominating. Like, you must have known. You must have known. And to be honest, like, I didn't. Like, I was so um, you know, in the zone or in the flow of wrestling in that moment that, you know, I didn't think about a second before. I didn't think about a second ahead. And, um, and so, you know, right up until the buzzer rang, then it was just kind of like, oh, whoa. Like, I just won, you know? <laughs> Did you have any family or friends with you in Rio? Yeah, I was really lucky. I mean, my whole family came down and watched me, and a bunch of friends came down. You know, the wrestling community is really tight. And uh, the mayor of Calgary was there. Like, there was so many people, so many Canadians in the stand cheering me on. Um, it was it was really special. Erica Weeb joining us on Inside Sports, gold medalist from the Rio Olympics in wrestling. Erica, take us back a, a little bit. How did you how did you first get into uh, this sport? Was it always your number one, or was it something you branched out into from from other uh, things you were involved in? Give us a little bit of that. Yeah, um, so I started wrestling in grade nine, and um, kind of on a whim, like it was offered at my high school. There was a sign posted outside the gymnasium door, and I thought, oh, co-ed wrestling, like I get to wear spandex and wrestle with boys. This sounds awesome. (laughs) 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 And so, yeah, and so I, you know, I joined the team. I talked three of my girlfriends into joining the team with me. But at the time, I was playing all all sports in high school. Like I, I was a really avid soccer player. But in high school, I played every sport, and um, and so wrestling was just another sport that I did. But then, you know, 
honestly like the day I stepped onto the wrestling mats and like wearing my first move it was just like ignited something inside of me like I just loved wrestling it was it was just this perfect combination of like you know strategy and physicality and it was this indescribable feeling um and so I continued playing soccer at a high level and I actually like wrote my SATs and I was talking to universities in the U.S. and uh, at some point I was just like you know what like I don't I don't want to play soccer for four years and then be done and have a degree and kind of become a real person. <laughs> you know, I want to kind of, I wanted something more. And so I was a pretty mature 18 year old, I guess. And, uh, and I decided to move across the country and join the best women's team in Canada. And, uh, and the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's incredible. I, I I think you have become a real person. You just haven't done it, you know, with a, with a nine to five job. But that's uh, that's okay. Um, you're a huge sports fan. I mean, and you mentioned some of your wrestling influences. What else are you uh, into? Like, did you have any other athletes or role models or, or favorite teams? Oh yes, <laughs> I mean, the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> um, I started cheering for Liverpool FC uh, when I was a kid. You know they had that amazing Champions League run. Was it like at '05 or something with like Steven Gerrard? And so you know I think there's just all of these you know teaching moments in sport that really transcend life, and it just kind of this idea that if you can believe in yourself, like no matter what, you can succeed. And uh, and so yeah, I was always a big a big soccer fan, and uh, and you know at the Olympic level, like just so many. I mean wrestlers and Christine Nordhagen is a Calgary native, or she's sorry, I guess she's from Grand Prairie, and uh, she lives in Calgary. And she's a six-time world champion and a pioneer in the sport of women's wrestling, and so she you know, it's just this icon. And um, she actually wrote me a letter and invited me to come to Calgary when I was in grade 11. And that was probably like the, the tip of the iceberg on what I wanted to do and kind of, you know, become just like her. Wow. That's, that's incredible. All right. Well, so you, you've definitely followed a, a good path here. Now tell us what, I mean, look, the Olympics is, a, is such a peak, obviously. What, what's next for your your season? Do you, get, do you get some time off, or what's the next goal now you have to refocus mm-hmm. on and chase? Yeah, I mean, we're really lucky. Like, a lot of the other Team Canada athletes in Rio, I'm like, oh, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, well, like, the volleyball guys and the soccer girls are like, oh, we got to go to, we're going to Europe to start our seasons. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, they had a, what, about a week of downtime, whereas wrestling you know we really peaked for the olympics and obviously i mean i felt great on the day of and so we're taking a little bit of time off um you know in the meantime just trying to enjoy life and kind of give back to all my friends and family who are there for me um kind of take have take some opportunities travel um i've gotten a lot of requests from wwe recruiters wow okay (laughs) yeah so (laughs) apparently they think i'm like really cool i don't know (laughs) How, how seriously are you considering these requests? Mm, I mean, you know, I'm like always the type of person that you know, I, I want to just get all the information before I jump into things, and so um, I'm not going to say I'm not like uh, no, that's a bad idea kind of person. So you know, I just want to like get the information and see what it's all about, and because I've never been like a WWE fan, obviously as a wrestler, you get all these comparisons, but it's very different, I believe. Uh, 
biggest challenge would be just trying to find a cool name, I guess. <laughs> I guess you couldn't just be Erica Weeb, right? You'd have to be Electric no, Erica I... or something like that. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, years of reading comic books. That's how that helped me come up with that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, you grew up in Ontario, I think in a community close to Ottawa, uh, mm-hmm. and now you live in Calgary. So when it, do I dare ask y- uh, your favorite NHL team? Ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, you know, probably Anaheim. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I, you know, actually, I grew up playing. I grew up uh, and I graduated high school with one of the sons, Mark Borowicki, and we train with the, a bunch of the Flames now, and so it's too hard to choose. All right. Well, well, we'll leave it at that then. That was probably the toughest question I asked you. Hey, well, <laughs> congratulations again. Uh, you know, I know people were so thrilled to see you win. You represented Canada so well, and I know you're going to continue to do so. Erica, thank you so much for joining us on Inside Sports. Thank you. Olympic gold medalist Erica Weep, right here on Inside Sports. Thanks so much to Erica for making time to join us tonight. She's probably done about 4,000 interviews over the last week and a half. The Blue Jays do win 5-1 over Baltimore. Another home run for uh, Donaldson tonight. He is now up to 34 on the season. Estrada gets the win. He goes seven innings. He only gave up four hits. The one run he struck out for, he did give up a uh, home run to uh, J.J. Hardy. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Um, in terms of the WWE thing, it was it was just today that Erica Weeb was contacted by WWE. I, I would I would not expect to see her joining uh, WWE. I think she's uh, she's being polite, but I, I wouldn't expect that that's going to be something that uh, uh, is her next career step for sure. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. The Eskimo Show with Morley Scott is coming up from uh, 8 to 9 tonight. Morley's going to pop in after the break. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30, Chad. Well, there's a band called Fozzie, WWE wrestler Chris Jericho on the mic. Is he still in WWE, Matthew? Oh, Morley's here too. Let me turn you up. I just bought tickets today to go see him and uh, him in the WWE on October 14th right here in uh, Big Echuk. At the new rink or the uh, old rink? I don't even know where it's at. I've never even looked at that. I believe it's at Northlands Coliseum. There you oh, go. Yeah, I guess it's not Rexall Place anymore. Northlands Coliseum. Uh, we were just talking about uh, Erica Weeb, Olympic gold medalist, uh, today approached by WWE. I imagine they approach almost anybody. That's If you got a name and you can sell some tickets. Uh, Matthew was saying Mr. Fuji passed away? I saw yep. that. He just pa- they just announced the WWE that Mr. Fuji uh, passed away. WWE Hall of Famer, by the way. At the age of uh, 82, no. What was uh, Mr. Fuji's shtick? You that's guys don't. Good, you guys don't know. That's a good know. question. Ask Morley. Morley knows more. Doesn't about uh, I know? He always had the top hat on, right? Yes. There's a his Wikipedia page says he was infamous for all, often throwing salt in the eyes of face wrestlers. What's wow. a fa- what's a face wrestler? There's a face. There's a face a, and a heel, a right? Guy? Oh, okay. A, face are the good guy. Baby face, right? They call him baby face. No, I didn't. It's shortened that. to face. All right. You're a heel, right? I am a heel. <clears throat> yeah. 
Mr. Uh, Fuji. Uh, Kellen Kennedy knows more about wrestling than anybody in the building. Probably. Probably than anybody alive, in, in maybe. <laughs> yeah. My son's a huge fan, too. My son once wanted to be a wrestler. In fact, went to a few camps from the, the old Prairie Wrestling Alliance. Really? Yeah, went to a few camps, spent a few Saturdays learning how to take bumps. And oh, cool. I still remember picking him up at some, uh, it was some big uh, warehouse over by the, uh, over by Nate, by the uh, air, old airport. Yep. And he came out, this is year, this is like 10 years ago, he's a teenager, a young teenager, right? And he comes out and he's got a big smile on his face. And as he's walking to the car, to me and his mother, he lifts up his shirt. And all you can see is red marks all over his shirt because they were practicing chops today. Oh, so so he was taking the slap on, on the, the chest. chest you yeah. Know, yeah. You know, if you cup your hand, apparently it doesn't hurt as much, right? So, well, of course. Yeah. So he was all excited about it. But uh, the wrestling career, uh, he traded it in for university. So, Well, how old was he when he was going to these camps? Uh, he was probably 16, 15, oh, so 16 was, 17. Yeah. yeah interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he it's he still loves it to this day. Is he a bulked up young man? No, he's not. No, he's uh, he's not fat like his father, but he's not really <laughs> oh, bulked come up. Come on now. He's uh, he's 24 now and still watches five, six hours of wrestling every week. So you're going to this show with him on October yeah, 14th? It's actually, it's his birthday, so we're going to go. Oh. I, we decided this morning. Or, is this a pay-per-view, or is this one of these no, it's a, a it's show? No, it's a house show, as they call it. So will there be any big names there? Uh, Jericho's coming. Fozzie's coming. The lead okay. singer of Fozzie's going to be there. Uh, but it's a raw, It's apparently it's a raw show, I believe. So will it be on TV at some point? No, it won't. It's a house show. It's dark. Oh, the so, house shows yeah. are never on TV. Yeah, no. Okay. No, the Raws are out like Mondays and Tuesdays. Or Mondays now live on Thursdays. Aren't, aren't they for SmackDown? I, don't I have know. no idea. I know they started doing it live, but the Raw. If it's a Monday night, then it's then it's actual Raw, right? Because it's live. So will this? Will they do this show? Uh, and then will it be similar to what might be on TV the following Monday? So it's like it's not exactly no, rehearsal, it's not. But from, it's from what I, I've been to a few house shows, and from what I understand, the house shows a lot of people think think the house shows are better because they don't have to stick to the storylines as hard, and they can have more fun, and they get a lot more. There's I think there's a lot less mic time and a little more wrestling, a little more okay. wrestling right. going on. So uh, yeah, we've been to a few house shows, and they do they do usually do a sh- one at the end that's kind of surprising. You know, they'll throw up a cage match and a couple guys will fight, whatever. You but would the the belt would never change hands during a house no, show. Uh, it has, it has. Oh, really? It has, yeah. And then they'll like they'll open SmackDown or something the next night and say, "Last night in Red Deer, there was a big upset." You oh, know? so you so, never know what you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, you then. never know. Yeah, so yeah, know what happens. Have you ever been to a, a live wrestling event before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We always go. We always go. We we go to the uh, the the uh, the PWA too. We used to, and anyway, we haven't gone for a couple of years, but we used to go to the PWA events here in Edmonton. Always great fun. Morley Scott in studio, 751 Inside Sports on uh, 630 Chet. Adam says uh, Mr. Fuji was a wonderful heel. There you go. A wonderful heel. There you a go. A wonderful heel. Only, Good at what he does. Only in uh, only in wrestling. Only in wrestling. Uh, uh, Topher Allen texted him, but I don't, I don't get the context of that text. I'm not going to read it because I'm confused. Uh, there's a professional rest. This texture says there's a professional wrestling school in Gold's Gym, Edmonton, Westmount mm-hmm. Mall. Oh, there you huh. go. I didn't realize you could go to school to be a yeah, wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's. I guess there's, you got to start somewhere. I know that when I was at the when I was we were watching the PWA one. There was I can't remember the kid's name, but he got picked up by the WWE, and it was his last PWA show, and he was going down to to go to the training camp with the WWE. I don't think he made. It. I think he ended up back about two three months later. But yeah, oh yeah, it's uh, there's. There's a whole progression. Everybody's shooting for the big leagues, too. Uh, there certainly is a, a heel 
someone playing the heel in the Canadian Football League. His name is uh, Chris Jones, the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's wearing dark. He always wears black as well. The Eskimos get the win on uh, Friday over the Riders. Their next game is a week from today in Calgary. <clears throat> Note the start time. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff. They flipped them this year. 11.30 pregame show here on 6.30 Chet. Yeah, they, they do that every few years, but... Uh, so the, usually uh, we're used to a 2 or 2.30 starting. Yeah, the Argos and Ticats are going in prime time yeah. in, in uh, Hamilton. So so uh, that's the next game a week from today. So the Eskimos don't get back till Thursday. Work until th- Wednesday or Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. Really? Yeah. Thursday. Uh, Ed Hervey is going to speak tomorrow. Yep. So uh, we'll have some we'll of that have on some Inside of that Sports stuff, yeah. tomorrow. I, I know you'll be going down to that. It's it's interesting to me. Um, I, I called in. To, for some reason, I've uh, decided to work on the nights I'm not working, yeah. and I call into the points after oh, show. Oh, it's my, it's my favorite Dave. call. Okay, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, look, I was, I was a little distressed about the Eskimo special teams. Uh, I mean, they allow another onside short kick recovered against them where you're in a yeah. situation where you kind of might know it was coming, and then they didn't have anybody back when you weren't sure what the riders were yeah. going to do, and they just booted it way over Kenzel Doe's head, and, and he had to do they the got big bad field position. Get it, yeah. And that's dangerous because that ball starts bouncing yeah. around. There's no no if yards. It takes on the old kickoff. Argos bounce. Then you're yeah, in trouble, and if right? the riders could have recovered it, so I, I I didn't like that attention to detail. I, I liked obviously a lot of what Riley and the offense did. In the third quarter is hard to judge. That because they didn't Mike, the field I can't position. stop thinking about that Mike Riley touchdown. I mean, it was spectacular. The way he just wanted six points and was not going to be denied. The way he got the hand out to stretch it across yeah. the goal line, uh, just a fabulous play. And and as I, I and you're going to hear the conversation with head coach Jason Moss. Uh, we talk about it a little bit too. But if you watch it, you go, "What a great play!" If you slow it down and watch in slow motion, you go. What a great play. I mean, he did everything right. right. It was a, a fantastic play for sure. Uh, it's interesting, too, about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we do talk about them because uh, they're, they're a rival. Uh, we have a lot of Rider fans in our in our listening area, and there and there is the compelling story with Chris Jones. The, the, thing, uh, the thing about Jones is they don't, uh, they don't open up that offense till they really have to, and I think he is such a defensive coach, and, and I think if you could go into Chris Jones's head and pull out what he thinks the number one job of an offense is, it would be don't turn the ball over. It wouldn't be score. It wouldn't be push the pace. It wouldn't be set a tone. It would be like, I think ideally he wins games, you know, 9-3 or something like that. What was the biggest complaint of an Eskimo fan in the two years that Chris Jones but, had coached the Eskimos. You know, safe pedestrian offense. Yeah, exactly. Now, you and can that's... throw short passes if you got guys who are burners after they catch the ball, like... Uh, Bowman or Walker. And Roosevelt has that, obviously, yep. game in Saskatchewan. Rob Bag can do it, too. Not as well not, as he not used as, to. Not as, well as he, not as well as he used to. So, that, so that's an interesting thing to me is I, I think here would be, and I think Chris Jones is a really good coach, but I think he is, he is locked into his coaching. Like, to me, the great coaches adapt to their personnel and figure out a way to make them succeed. I think Chris Jones says, this is the way I coach, this is yeah. the way I win, and I'm just going to keep changing players and I'm not going to change my game. I'm I think going that's a mistake. to get players who play my style and are successful. And he'll just keep changing players till he does. This I don't mean this to be like a smart aleck here, but uh, if you just think it through, you'll understand what I mean. I think... Uh, Chris Jones has too much of an influence on the general manager in Saskatchewan. Right. <laughs> no, I know, I know exactly. Do you what know what I'm mean. saying? Like, I, I think, uh, I think a lot of times coaches need GMs to to reel them in a little bit to, to say, okay, just take a deep breath and relax. Right. We don't need to change five guys this week. We we didn't do this. We didn't do that. But we'll be all right. 
Chris Jones says that to his general manager, and his general manager says, yeah, let's go get some new players. Right. And that's what they do, right? And they just, I mean, they just keep spinning them through. 77 players now so far this year have played one game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Ed Hervey has to say tomorrow. Uh, I mean, we mentioned Aaron Grimes uh, released by the Eagles, though mm-hmm. he is injured. I mean, maybe he hangs around Philadelphia and then they... Yeah, this could be like a paper healthy. shuffle for the Eagles. Uh, right? Willie Jefferson is 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 back out there. Uh, Keon Raymond is 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 available. There are still some challenges in the Eskimos' uh, secondary, so we'll see if Ed Hervey might still be looking to uh, to make some moves there. Good job. A good game by the defensive line overall. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, sure. Especially considering they had a guy playing his second game and a guy playing his first game. Right. Of the first game ever in the CFL, right? So, in uh, Michael Buchanan. So, and plus Jason Vega playing on the other side. So, yeah, they got some pressure. They got some sacks. They did what they had to do. Calgary looks good, though. Oh, real good. 7-1-1. One, and one. I mean... I, I didn't think they'd be able. I mean, they're on pace for another 14-win season. We'll we'll see if they. I I, I thought they would drop off. I, I did really too. Did. I really did. I really. Did. I talked to Jock Wilson today uh, in Calgary at our sister station uh, News Talk 770. I don't know if I'm going to get time to air it tonight on the Eskimo Show or not, but I did. I, and that's the same thing. He said he thinks it's this team this year is better than the Grey Cup team a couple of years ago. Well, last year's team might have been better than the Grey Cup team. Oh, that's true, too. From that year. He did say it's the best team he's seen in probably three or four years in Calgary. This portion of Inside Sports brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Morley Scott is coming up with the Eskimo Show. See who's standing out there? Randy Randy Kilburn. Yeah. You see who he's talking to? No, I can't see. Neil King. Oh, Neil King's in studio. Neil, Great Neil stuff. King's and Jason Moss, also from the coach, Jason Moss yeah. as well. Perfect. The studio producer this evening... Matthew Panaschik, the producer of the show, is Dave Campbell. Our guests also included Erica Weeb. She's an Olympic gold medalist. Jason Strudwick, hockey blogger Matt Henderson, Jim Madigan, head coach of Northeastern University. If you miss anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. We have all the audio there. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Stick around for Morley and the Eskimo Show. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.